All right, welcome to I Just Interview My Friends. I'm Jason Chow, and today I am just interviewing my friend, uh, Jane Chong. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to interview her is because she is both an elementary school teacher, she teaches first grade, and she has three kids, two of whom are in elementary school. Uh, and so she's really on both sides of the coin for <laughs> this crazy experiment known as quarantine teaching. Um, and so I wanted to ask just start, to start off, um, you know, being on both sides, right? What is it that you think that a lot of parents like myself, right? Or maybe even non-parents that don't have kids, like what is it they don't get about what teaching is like now? <laughs> like what is teaching like right now that is just really surprising for, for people who aren't in that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, thank you for having me. Um, uh, I just want you to know, like, this is going to be from my perspective. And I teach first grade, so I have the littler ones. And so I, I feel like a lot of times, like, even before pre-quarantine, uh, people, parents or non-parents, they might have different expectations of what teaching should look like in the classroom. And they have mm -hmm. different philosophies or different ideas. But especially in quarantine, I think for uh, what they don't realize is that for us, it's, it's although we may be having experience, you know, teaching X you know, amount of years, it's all new for us too. You know, mm -hmm. the, the uh, focus on technology, I feel like it hasn't really um, been embedded into the, when we were taught, you know, mm -hmm. to when we were being going into credentialing and all of that, like the, the tech piece, it was part of it, but it, there wasn't a huge focus on it until I feel like in the most recent, like five, six years. Right. And so I feel like for teachers who are a little bit more seasoned and experienced, you would expect them because they have more experience, years of experience under their belt, but a lot, you know, we weren't taught all mm. the tech stuff that's been going on and expected of us. And so we're learning, too. And so I think um, that's been the biggest missing puzzle is trying to piece that together mm. and bridge that gap, you right. know, in such a short amount of time. Right. Because yeah. it's it's like trying to marry a totally different skill set. Right. Yeah. With teaching. Yeah. Um, so in in that process, right, the last a few months, right? Oh gosh. Um, in what ways do you think that that technology has made teaching maybe easier? Like certain things that maybe will carry over past quarantine, but yeah, what are the difficulties that you face like technology wise? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the platform that, that the school is using, but for ourselves, um, like e even within our given district or our school, you're you're given different choices, right? So, um, and it really depends on on who you talk to. But for me, since I teach um, first grade, I primarily use Zoom, right, to do my live or syn um, synchronous learning. And so, um, I think some of the pros and cons of what's made that easier and not easier is that you know on Zoom, like if a, a child is talking too much or mm -hmm. you know misbehaving or whatnot, you can just <laughs> mic, right? uh -huh. like, okay, you're being too loud, and you, you press the mic, right? But um, I but mean, you don't you don't have that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> press the mic or press the mute. Um, but I think you know the the pros is that it has given us a new platform of learning, mm -hmm. um, whether it's reviewing or you know Zoom has a feature where you can use a breakout room where you can meet in small groups and things like that. But the, the downside is that because I'm teaching, you know, littler kids, they haven't quite acquired that mm. sense of being able to um, stay engaged or, um, you know, have that kind of um, moral 
level of respect and responsibility when they're in a breakout room on their own. And, you know, our job is to hop around and, you know, check in. Sometimes we don't have enough time within the given minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, it's, it's, got, it's been a little harder, but also it just requires teaching in itself in person. It requires so much planning mm-hmm. and to, to try to plan, but also it's like, it's funny because it's like you plan and prepare as much as you can. Right. But then when you're teaching live, like in person, person to person, and you see a child just checked out or you notice like, Oh, they're not understanding this material. Like we switch gears, you know, and Mm -hmm. and we're able to kind of um, meet their needs and maybe reteach something, you know, on the side or maybe change the flow of the way we're teaching. Right. Like on that spot. Right. But because when we're online and it's, via zoom it takes a lot of preparation not only on our part but also the parents oh, part uh-huh. to make sure that they have all of the materials that they need for their child right. that day like you can't really switch gears like that and so that, i think that's been really hard on like just personally um trying to check in and make sure that this kid is being staying engaged mm-hmm. you know and is learning. there is there anything that like you thought you know going into this school year like oh this is gonna work that really hasn't worked Gosh, you know, I, I feel like thankfully because of last spring, you know, when we were just kind of thrust into this, uh-huh. right? Um, you know, we left we left school mid-March thinking, oh, we'll be back after spring break, you know, and then three weeks passed and then it was like, nope, we're, we're, we're shutting down. Um, I think that was really the time that we were given, you know, the lows in those spring months to kind of figure out what worked and what didn't. And mm. then, you know, over the summer, you know, we didn't really have a summer, unfortunately, because we were either trying to plan for hybrid or we're trying to plan to what can we do to make it better and right. so we kind of fixed all those little quirks you know mm. over the summer and things like that so honestly I, I um like over the summer actually I did teach a summer school class where I it was there were older kids so I was trying to use google classroom mm-hmm. and I tried to use google meet and that was like a disaster I was like nope <laughs> sorry and this was yeah. a four-week class you know and I already told the parents like I'm using google meet and you know whatever because our zoom um trial was gonna expire right. um and so in the middle of it I said nope never mind like I'm going back to Zoom. And so um, I ended up just going back to Zoom. What was it about Google Meet that didn't... It was just really glitchy. And um, I just didn't um, feel like it was as good as Zoom. (laughs) And that's just my personal preference. Um, So even in that, you know, one thing that I really am wondering is what are the differences between teaching, say, like first grade, right? And then talking with other teachers that maybe teach fifth grade or even like junior high and high school what's kind of different in your experience oh man that's a good question well i mean given the fact that i was um there's a lot of collaboration right um whether you're in primary or upper or even in the middle school and high school um there has been a lot of collaboration talks about like what has worked and what hasn't Mm -hmm. and so i think it really just depends um on your grade level but also like as you get to know your class throughout the year like every class is so different Mm. like the the feel and the vibe of the class and so you really just have to make that call on what's going to work what worked last spring is not going to necessarily work this year because last spring we had those kids for those eight nine months Uh you know and then um and then we had to switch gears but this year we're starting fresh we how how is how is that like do you feel like you're like, do you feel like it's October, right? Like, in terms of how much you know them, or is it has it been harder? 
Gosh, I, well, I mean, I told you before we started how um, this year I'm in a little different boat because I'm teaching, uh, I'm the English partner for the dual immersion program. So I actually have 48 kids. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was very overwhelming in the beginning. Like, um, I mean, last spring it was overwhelming, just even with 24 that I already knew, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would, you know, as, as a mom too, like I would um, teach in the morning and then, you know, I would, I couldn't attend, you know, to my kids. And then I'd spend all day with them, put them down. And then literally I'd be teaching from like 8 p.m. to like three in the morning, trying to prepare videos and correct things and all of that stuff, right? right? And so this year going in, I knew I had to set those boundaries. Like I can't sustain, mm -hmm. I can't, it's not sustainable to live like that. Um, it was very stressful. And I just feel like with the kids coming in, I don't know that like you still get to know them because they're so little and they're even like for the older kids too I'm sure like they're just um there's gonna be those kids that don't want to talk you know mm -hmm. online and they just kind of are quiet um but it's really it's our job to kind of bring that out in them and fortunately like I've just had a really positive pleasant experience with the 48 families that I've been working with and the kids um for the most part you know like they've just been super supportive and um engaged and so I've, I've gotten to know them. And so I think a lot of it too is incorporating that social emotional health, right. you know, that focus um, that wasn't really a focus in last spring or the years prior, but. Right. Cause they kind of already had that. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, what are the ways that you are trying to help your students have that emotional social connection? Cause one of the things that I noticed with my kids is like um, my oldest, my older who is in second grade, she's still very close with the kids that she knew previously, right? Mm -hmm. But then with my kindergartner, because she doesn't know any of these kids, right? right. Like there's yeah. there's one girl that's a sister to one of my Eva's friends, and then there's another yeah. girl that was from the same preschool. Those are like the only two girls that she knows. Yeah. Yeah, it really is about building that community, you know, mm -hmm. whether you're in school or not. And so I think for me, like that's a huge focus for me too. Um, is to build that community and you know unfortunately that's also i feel like another big missing piece because we weren't really prepared or trained to, a lot of it has been focused on academics making sure mm -hmm. that there's no learning loss and all of that and so that whole social emotional piece um we're working on that you know and so for our school like we have monthly tra character traits that we focus on and we'll gear like lessons throughout the week to kind of um, talk and focus about that um there's such great resources too where um a good activity you know for the little ones is to ask a question of the day and it could mm. be something like as silly as like you know what's your favorite ice cream color or flavor or like you know what's your favorite color and you just mm. get, get them talking and sharing about themselves because i feel like you know, if we were in, in school and in class, like those conversations happen naturally, like on the playground and recess and things like that. But we don't have that opportunity because mm. when we're on Zoom, it's like all business, you know, but especially teaching first grade for me, I'm all, I still want to carry on those like fun thematic, you know, traditions that we remember as kids. Like when I think of, mm -hmm. you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I don't necessarily think like, oh, I learned how to read and write. Right. I learned, I remember like, oh, the fun things that we did for Halloween and all of that. So like yeah. that has been um, kind of one of the things that I've been focusing on is making sure that we don't lose that aspect of school is and you know doing all the thematic stuff. What are your what are your plans for Halloween for your kids? Oh my goodness. So so we've been doing so for my students or, uh -huh. or both oh. both yeah. Oh. 
Well, for my students, like, so we do these organized, like, um, monthly school supply pickups. So mm-hmm. last Friday was our October supply pickup. And so um, I have, like, every week planned out, like, this week is that week. So, like, we're, like, reading all about bats and stuff like that mm-hmm. here. Um, we have, like, a little bat uh, craftivity that I like to call. Um, it's like a craft with an activity, and they learn all about bats, and they, they'll do that. Um, and then one week will be a pumpkin week, and they'll learn about um, Spookly, which is, like, another, like, big first grade thing that we do. Mm-hmm. We passed out little pumpkins um, and, like, a little um, box of glitter, and the, they'll do, like, a glitter um, activity with that. Um, and then the last week we have um, – a witch's brew week where um, and we have like a haunted house week too where i just wow. prepared a bunch of wow. stuff for them to do on a weekly basis just to keep the fun stuff alive you know wow. and do you feel like like as a parent right because you're getting material for your kids from their teachers do you feel like being on that end does that inform then how you prepare as a teacher and maybe vice versa Yes, definitely. I think, I mean, I think one of the biggest um, resources that teachers have is one another, you know, and just Mm -hmm. being able to collaborate, not just amongst your team, but learning from other teachers. And, you know, I'll, I'll go down to the kinder pod and I'll see what the kinder teachers are doing. And like, they're super fun because they're all about like that, you know, keeping kindergarten magical and fun. Right. right? Um, And then even from Deacon's teacher, like you think like, I thought like, okay, what grade is Deacon in? He's in second grade. Uh Yeah. So um, I'll see things that she's doing and I'll be like, wow, that's super cool. But like, you know, how can, is it, you know, um, easily adaptable first grade? And, you know, you just kind of make little tweaks here and there, but it's definitely a learning community. Um, And I think the beauty of our staff is like, everyone is down to share things, you know? So Mm. um, I think that's been the greatest um, resource for me personally. Um, kind of thinking like big picture, right? Not necessarily specifically like your school or school district, although if you want to speak into that, because, you know, the whole pandemic quarantine has really exposed a lot of the ways in which our structures maybe were insufficient. And also, I think a lot of the ways our structures maybe were really good. Um, How have you felt about that? Like in the quarantine where you're like, wow, here are problems that really are just highlighted and exposed. Um, or maybe some things where you're like, wow, I'm really glad that we had built it this way. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, the education system is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it all trickles, trickles down from the higher ups. Right. But, um, I think the two biggest flaws I've seen just be exposed even more, um, or magnified is the equity, you know, the, 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 uh, making sure that, um, everyone has, equal resources, equal opportunity, right? Mm. Because people are coming from different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, even within our own district, there's, you know, um, a variety. And I'm sure, you know, in the state of California and, and, you know, nationwide, right? Mm. There's just um, so much disparity. And I think within even a given classroom, you would be surprised that there, um, there's a difference in equity of, of resources. And I think what we learned from last spring was um, I think that was very magnified and and um, it was a big concern, right? And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of districts tried to resolve that issue by, um, like this fall, for example, they were passing out like one-on-one Chromebooks so that kids can have like a one-to-one ratio of Chromebooks. Some districts even um, passed out hotspots for families mm-hmm. to make sure that each family had um, a good solid, you know, Wi-Fi to make sure, especially if there's multiple kids in a household right. trying to log on and and do all that, but 
like even something as simple as um, having your own learning space, you know, right. um, I think like we take it for granted. Like if you, if you grew up having your own room, having your own desk, right. We have mm. a lot of kids, I think living in multi-generational families or families with multiple siblings, whether they're babies or, you know, kids in school age, I have some students who have siblings that are in high school, you know, there's just a big age gap and so many differences. And it's like, how do you reach all those students? Um, and so, you know, some are not as engaged because, yeah of X, Y, and Z, like whatever factors that they're facing at home. Do you feel like emotionally as a teacher, because you get to see into their homes, like I, cause I, you know, my, my youngest in kindergarten, we had an experience early on this year where one of the other girls was like, she didn't know how to click on the thing. And she was like crying. And then like her grandma was there, but her grandma didn't speak English. And then she like finally her older brother came, and then I realized that her older brother was in like third grade, right? Like, yeah. um, do you feel like emotionally like you're you're seeing their families differently than you would have, you know, if they were yeah. just all at school? I mean, me personally, like definitely, like, and I, I think it's actually really beautiful to see. Um, like I'll have students too who who have grandparents who don't speak English and they're next to their, you know, grandchild who's mm -hmm. like a student of mine trying to help them figure out, you know, um, you know, passing the materials or, you know, again, you have to remember I'm teaching little six-year-olds, right? Yeah. So they're just trying to um, learn how to use the computer and the mouse and all of that. And so that was a, other, a whole other discussion too, because at least for our district, the talk was, um, so they passed out Chromebooks, you know, um, Last spring, they only passed out Chromebooks to families who said they needed them. Mm -hmm. But then this year, they said, you know, we're going to have a Chromebook for every child, and mm -hmm. which I thought was amazing. But we also are in a smaller district. Um, and there were talks of having like kinders and first graders um, using like the touch, mm -hmm. the touch type, because it was a lot easier rather than having them use the mouse. Um, oh, all the all the drawing things with the mouse are awful. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my goodness, I, I totally know what you mean. So, um, yeah, I think having those families involved and just being able to see like the relationship, you know, between a parent and child or um, a, a sibling, you know, helping their little sibling out or even a grandparent. Like, I think that's it's awesome. But also at the same time, I know it's at the cost of a parent having to work and you know trying to manage their child's education online yeah and thinking about like trying to help right because we go to the same church you know and our church is very mindful of helping communities um but i definitely feel like we don't know how right like even for me like yeah. i'm like i don't know because you know as a parent, previously, it was like, join the PTA, right? <laughs> like, you know, it was very clear what, how we were supposed to help. Um, how do you feel like both as a teacher and as a parent, as a church member, you know, those support systems, how do we help? <laughs> like, how do we help? <laughs> Gosh, you know, I, that's a great question. Uh, honestly, like as a, as a church member, I, I don't know if I would necessarily expect the church to help because I feel like there's so many occupations mm -hmm. like how do like you know especially when COVID first hit and like you know um you know the first responders or you know people in the medical industry and whatnot um just trying to help them but then also like now as teachers do I, I do remember like a few weeks ago there was like a series of congregational prayers where people like specifically prayed for educators and parents mm -hmm. and I thought that was 
so touching and like that in itself just to cover us in prayer it meant so much so mm-hmm. even just a simple little act like if you have a, a friend or you know whoever who might be an educator or a parent you just let them know like you know i prayed for you this morning or, you know wow. just mm-hmm. something as simple as that you know actually a few days ago i noticed on social media that um tapestry the tr- a church in la um they hosted like this educator care package drive by where all educators um they like prepare little care packages for them and mm-hmm. you know just i don't know it's just, it sounds really silly and it sounds like nothing but really just like a like checking in right. on people and just being like hey like i've been thinking about you how's it going you know and just sparking that conversation yeah because we talked about even before just kind of this overall quarantine like loneliness right but i think not even just like a like a some for some people it's like a they want to be lonely during quarantine right like i i i definitely feel that right um and i'm sure for you like that's something that's really interesting even right now sitting in this classroom that usually is like you know lively lively, and right now it's like quiet um to feel that way uh so i think you know I don't know how long the quarantine's gonna last. None of us do, right? Uh-huh. But if it were to last, right, like into next semester, mm-hmm. what are some of your like fears or hopes of what that is gonna look like? Um, <laughs> gosh, I feel like fears. Just personally speaking, I think as as an educator and as a parent of a kid who, you know, especially for you too, I'm sure with Eva. Um, you know, right now is the prime time, right? That they're learning mm-hmm. and they're they're learning how to read and write fluently. Um, they're learning like more deeper concepts. Um, so I think that that fear of learning loss for these mm-hmm. kids, but also um, more than that, I think, you know, we're blessed with with kids who, you know, are, are like they're, they're capable, right? But I think my fear is for those kids who are on the fringe, mm-hmm. um, kids who have special needs, right? Um, kids like that. I think the, the, and that social emotional support that they need, or even the educational support that they need, and that is not being met because, you know, we're only one person, right? We're only one teacher. And I think that's another thing is that I think that parents um, sometimes don't understand that their child's teacher, we're, we're, we're not some magical, like superhero who's here to fix everything, right? Like we're learning to, um, and we're just trying to, you know, be in it together. And it's, it's a partnership, right, between the parent and the and the teacher. And so um, my hope is that um, that parents will be a little bit more gracious and understanding um, to their child's teacher, that they're also trying their best, right, to do their best to, to make sure that their, their child is, is learning and that there's no learning loss. And that also at the same time trying to build a community and the whole social emotional piece. But um I don't know. It's just, it's just juggling and balancing everything. I just wish that parents, you know, just even a a little email saying like, Hey, you know, um, Mm. to their child's teacher, like, thank you for, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just something as simple as that. It'll, it would make the, the, the teacher's day. Right. But, but then on the flip side, it just takes one bad, like, not, I don't want to say bad parent, but it just takes one email. Yes. One negative, like, not supportive, you know, comment, email mm. that can really wreck and ruin 
not only a, a teacher's day, but like their month, like, and I've seen it in, with my coworkers and, you know, it's just very unfortunate. Like we, we really want to rally that support. And that is my biggest hope is that parents and educators can come together and just mm. join forces, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> as a fellow parent, I'm very convinced by that too. You know, I emailed them uh, today and hopefully anyone listening to this yes, will do the same. Yeah, and so, you know, one last question, just with whatever the new normal will be, <clears throat> right, afterwards, you know, I think that every part of our society right now <clears throat> is, no one's going to go back to the way it was, right? Like, everything's going to be this kind of new, uh, so whenever quarantine does lift, right, what, yeah. are some ex what are some things that in this experience you feel like... Hey, this is real. This could be good, right? Like this is something that because of what we've had to endure together in quarantine, teaching, education, moving forward could be better. Sorry, can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, like, because our whole lives are changing, right? right so right. you know, for instance, like everyone, everyone is learning how to do webcasts to do Zoom. Right. 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 Uh -huh. Everyone is learning how to like use interfaces for like their kids and all these online materials. Do you think that those or potentially other things, they're going to stay as part of the education system? Oh, oh, yes, I totally think so. I think um, this is a brand new way of teaching. And, I th and, you know, like, you know, like I said, how there were different platforms available before. And these things were available pre, you know, COVID and all of that. And I know that there were certain schools that, that use things like we use a, a program called Seesaw um, just to reinforce learning and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, but I think the big shift on social emotional, I think that's been something that has been in the works for quite some time now. But now with COVID and all of that, I think there's a big push um, to focus on kids mental health you know and mm -hmm. like um i don't think that was a, such a big focus before it was all about academics and things like that and so i think definitely moving forward that is definitely a piece that will will carry on with this and i think that's a good thing you hmm. know yeah um, actually i i hadn't thought of, well <clears throat> it's funny because i thought about that as a parent <laughs> right because like seeing my kids emotional and mental health like firsthand right? but yeah. yeah i think realizing that you know structurally hopefully that will be something that that continues and I think that's a new a newer like thought and philosophy I, you know when we were growing up we didn't really talk about our feelings right <laughs> that was not the Asian yeah, way right? yeah get the grade so, get the grade yeah yeah just get the grade and let's move on with it right but I think definitely um I think that's the advantage that especially because you know our kids have us who are not immigrant parents and or for the most part right so we mm -hmm. we are here to advocate for them too and they can advocate they now have the tools to advocate for themselves right mm -hmm. whereas before you know us with our immigrant parents we didn't have that as much and so i think that is the the, the biggest takeaway for mm -hmm. me personally is just to see my kids and focus on being more empathetic you know not only as a teacher but also as a parent mm. like because they're going our kids are going through stuff right now too and we, we won't see the effects of it until way later right they like they are literally living in like what is going down in history like that they're going to read that their kids are going to read about later wow. in their history books and I think that is what's mind-blowing yeah it's funny because I I think about it like as sort of like our 9-11 right yeah. it was like we all yeah. knew like oh like this is going to change things yeah. But then our kids are all like, what coronavirus? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Jane, so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. 
Thanks for having me. Bye.